Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. On this episode, we have Roy Blevins, who has done some pretty cool things in his career, especially on the professional soccer side. And what we really talk about is the power of connections to help Rory get to his goal in his career of working in the MLS um, and really getting to experience some very cool things and just how he kind of set out that plan and ultimately made it happen. But then kind of how things shifted and different priorities in life came up and different changes. And now after some times of maybe not the best job, Roy's found himself in a really good spot. And we talk about that and what some of the keys he was looking for in order to find that role and ultimately thrive in it as he is now. So lots lots of good information in this one, depending on which part of your career you're in, what your goals are, and what you're trying to do. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. So many things happening there. Um, keeping touch with their social media. They got a lot of things coming. This handy gym is worth checking out as it slowly becomes more available in the U.S. Uh, keep an eye out for that, for portability and just use, especially if space is a huge constraint, which it is for pretty much most athletic trainers. So keep that um, on your radar. But without further ado, please enjoy this episode. this episode of Athletic Training Chat, we are on with Roy Blevins, who is a, an athletic trainer uh, who has done quite a bit in his career, and uh, we connected via social media, the wonderful world of that, because um, it does bring good things, uh, but really the conversation we were wanting to have and kind of the thing that we looked at is kind of finding the AT profession later um, in his career, but then really working at a whole variety of levels in terms of competition and how things have kind of gone back and forth from working with professional soccer and U.S. soccer at different levels to the secondary school setting, uh, which I know we've had a, several people on that have done different things. But I think, you know, when you kind of worked at that professional level and with all the different resources and that level of athlete, it can be really interesting how that um skill set brings down to working with what I still consider to be one of the more difficult <laughs> and complex settings uh, and still give all the praise to secondary school athletic trainers for what everyone does in that setting. But before we get into it, I'm going to turn it over to Rory to fill in kind of his background, uh, what he's done, and then we'll jump into some of the uh, different questions and go from there. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, this is uh, this has been something I've been looking forward to for a while ever since I started uh, listening to your podcast and, you know, I, we, we, re, I, we connected and, and I thought, you know, I've had kind of an interesting story, interesting path. And uh, I've had a lot of people help me get where I'm at along the way. And I've had a lot of really cool and unique opportunities, uh, resources, you know, just, just a lot of different things. So I felt it would be kind of uh, interesting to, you know, kind of share my story and, um, you know, maybe somebody out there finds it interesting as well, because, you know, our profession is so diverse and, uh, I think mine definitely has, uh, some of those characteristics. Uh, so for me, 
how kind of how I got into the, the podcast world. Um, my son was born in 2019. Uh, so that meant I needed to upgrade vehicles to uh, a dad mobile SUV. And so with that came uh, Apple CarPlay, which I had never had before. So I saw the, the podcast uh, app on there. And so I kind of just started messing around with that and searching for athletic training stuff. And, uh, and this one popped up and, you know, there's been so many interesting and brilliant and experienced uh, people that have that have been on this so it's really cool to to kind of be on it uh, myself um, so yeah I like hearing from the others uh, in the field from from all different backgrounds and uh, I really started listening to it on my way to work uh, kind of helps get my mind in the AT mode for the day uh, there's different podcasts and, and books um, that I'll listen to right now to try to help with, you know, professional leadership, you know, how to be a better dad, husband, all that kind of stuff. So trying to take advantage of technology in the vehicle. So <laughs> long story short on that one. Um, but uh, a little bit about me professionally, I'm in the middle of my 12th year as an athletic trainer. I've been married for five years to my amazing wife, Meredith, and I'm a dad to an incredibly energetic and smart, uh, almost three-year-old named Brecken. Uh, it's not an easy job, nor is it easy to be a spouse of an athletic trainer. Um, and I'm very lucky that I'm in a job setting now uh, that I genuinely enjoy, um, but also have a personal life that, uh, that I always had dreamed of. So currently, I'm an assistant athletic trainer at Alvin High School in Alvin, Texas. I'm in the middle of my sixth year working for the Alvin Independent School District. Uh, my current supervisor uh, and head athletic trainer, his name's Ernie Garza. He was actually my wife's athletic trainer when she was in high school at Alvin. So it's been really cool um, to be adopted into the, the Alvin Yellow Jacket family um, and having that, that history. So Alvin ISD is only my third employer that I've worked for in my career. I started off working in Chicagoland uh, for Athletico Physical Therapy as an associate athletic trainer at Glenbard South High School with my awesome coworker, Jess Bratko. And uh, after one year there, I had an opportunity uh, to relocate within the company and, and move to Bradenton, Florida as an associate athletic trainer for the U.S. Soccer Federation uh, under 17 men's national team. What used to be the residency program, it is now, uh, it doesn't exist anymore, um, but it was housed at the IMG Academy. So residency program was created in 1999 to kind of house the, the top at that time, I think top 40 under 17 men's national team players to allow them a place to, to live and train daily. And, and their goal, I believe at that time was, uh, was kind of uh, planning towards 2010 World Cup, that their goal was ultimately to, to win that, to kind of start and, and plan towards that. So uh, it was an honor to be a part of like a, a rich history, soccer type of uh, program there. And uh, it was awesome. I worked there uh, from 2011 to 2014 with legendary athletic trainer, Jimmy Spinelli. Um, in early 2014, I got my shot to move into my true dream job position as an athletic trainer in Major League Soccer. That was always what I wanted to do, even from high school. Um, it just uh, just really lucky that it came, you know, came as early as it did and, and jumped at the opportunity that I could. And, um, and it wasn't even just the first opportunity that I could jump at. Um, I had made a connection with the head athletic trainer for the Dynamo uh, at that time uh, it was Theron Enns. And um, I had met him in 2012. Our under 17 men's national team was down in Houston playing um, some academy teams, but also with that, we were the soft opening for the brand new Houston Dynamo Stadium. So we played the Dynamo um, Academy team as the like the first 
official match in that stadium and got to meet Theron through that. And, and with just conversation, told him, hey, I'd love to, to be working with you someday. And that was in 2012 and 2013, the end of their season, they have an assistant position open up. I had reached out to him. We were both in Colorado for, for Christmas. We met up for lunch as kind of an informal interview. And um, he later offered me the job at the, the MLS Combine um, in January in, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And, uh, and yeah, that was my first chance to, to get in the mix with, with Major League Soccer. Uh, so moved to Houston in January 2014. Met my wife right after the, uh, the end, end of November when the season ended. Um, you know, I, I really thank the 2014 Houston Dynamo for not making the playoffs that year because it gave me a chance to have a personal <laughs> life and, and meet my wife and uh, life really took off after that. So, um, so yeah, we uh, I ended up leaving the Dynamo in July of 2016. There was an opportunity to, to leave and work for a brand new high school in the same school district that, um, that I'm at now. So I worked at that new high school for the first two years that it opened up. Uh, I hadn't planned on leaving Major League Soccer so quickly, uh, but it was an opportunity that afforded me more time to spend with my wife and, and ultimately a compensation that would you know, allow us to, to buy a house, start a family. Um, you know, you'd be surprised to hear that a high school job in Texas, you know, right now I'm making about $30,000 more than I did as an assistant uh, athletic trainer in Major League Soccer. So it's just one of those things where you know, I, I wanted to have the personal aspect of life um, and, you know, with meeting her and, and that opportunity, you know, everything's fallen into place. Um, but I do genuinely miss Major League Soccer and the grind uh, just about every day. Uh, I do plan to continue to work as an athletic trainer in, in Alvin ISD. Uh, we have legit roots here planted now and, you know, really look forward to new opportunities to advance in my career here and, and continue to get better. Um, so, so that's a long-winded intro, but uh, that's kind of my my crazy path to where I'm at. Uh, been a lot of cool places, done a lot of really interesting things. Got to travel the world with the with the under-17 national team. Saw a lot of great things and a lot of good experience that I've uh, taken to to where I'm at today. No, thank you for that. Um, I definitely have some questions about you know just get, you kind of alluded to everything with. Um, how you had met uh, the head AT for the Dynamo and that kind of started everything. But I'd like to kind of come back to a few questions there. But uh, kind of you talked about one of the questions, you know, moving out of MLS and, you know, into your role as in the secondary school. And you commented on, you know, how much more of a paycheck um, that ended up being. But I was also listening to a different uh, podcast, um, Round AT, uh, Reframe the Game, for people who haven't checked that one out, through the Advantage Podcast Network um, by Kent Games, who's a professor at ISU um, in their DAT program. But he was talking a lot about, like, purpose and kind of redefining your purpose and kind of some things he went through. I was kind of gone, and I'll say still going through a similar thing, worked collegiate athletics for my entire career until moving to a physician practice. And it is a huge change. Um, you know, the grind, which maybe wasn't always good, but you still felt like you're really getting after something, you know, the ability to affect different change that it's been a huge shift for me. I was just wondering if you could maybe talk about that a little bit more and just like what you, how you did or what you did to work through going from what was your dream job, to maybe not necessarily your dream job, but still something you have seemingly found purpose in because you're still doing that type of setting. 
Um, that was very open-ended, but if you will. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was not easy right away. I mean, there was, there was a, obviously a honeymoon period where you're like, holy cow, I've got, I got time now. I can do things, spend more time with my, you know, at that time, fiance and planning for, for our wedding. So I'd say that first semester um, that I, that I was in the, the new setting with the high school, I mean, it, it just felt, you know, I just felt so much lighter and just, you know, could kind of focus on different things. And then that next semester hit, um, kind of had some, some professional differences with some staff. So, um, I kind of had a hard time, um, really finding my, my excitement for the job. And, and I feel like, uh, you know, there was some, some wasted time there that I didn't challenge myself, um, and, and just try to, to get better. So, so now what I do to kind of replicate, you know, I don't know if it's replicating the grind or the difficulty of it, but now I just challenge myself with, um, different continuing education or certifications, um, that kind of thing, just to kind of, uh, just to kind of keep myself feeling competitive, feeling like uh, I could always step back into, to my old role. Not that I'm actively looking to that. Uh, it just kind of got back to that, um, that role. My, my, my boss, you know, Theron at that time, he, he always talks about uh, kind of how an, an arms race mentality of, you know, keeping up with education or the, you know, the, the newest gadgets or skills or, or modalities. And um, I think that's kind of how I've, you know, bridge that gap to, to try to keep that, that competitive nature. Uh, I know I can't do anything on the field. So, so I kind of get my excitement and, and vigor um, by, you know, trying to compete with our athletic training peers, if, if that makes sense. So just trying to um, just to be as competitive off the field as we can. I know we won't be, be in the training room. Uh, and that's, you know, that's kind of how I get um, that, uh, that excitement. I don't know if that answers that, that completely or, or what you're looking for. Um, but uh uh, that's kind of the best I can can put together. No, I think that's good because it, the kind of whole underlying thing is, you know, what is your underlying purpose, if you will? And like to have that big shift of, you know, for me, it was like the ability to move and shake and make things happen. And now in a clinic, like, sure, but I got to go through a lot more administrative stuff. Like I don't get to have as much hands on with patients and it has benefited in my personal life greatly but at the same time, professionally, it's just been a, a, a weird adjustment of like, how am I, excuse me, still helping people or getting them back to what they're doing. And so I was just curious, you know, from, you know, going and traveling the world with the different things. And obviously with, you know, the Dynamo, you know, goals of winning professionally, how, you know, you trickle that. I think you, you elaborate on that with it being your goal to all. Uh, be competitive as an AT in like a good way because it's ultimately going to keep you sharp and providing high quality care. Yeah. I mean, you know, you go from working with, with one team of a roster of at, at most maybe 30 at a time. And now you've got, you know, a six, a high school with, you know, thousands of athletes, you know, cause we're covering high school and then three feeder junior high. So, you know, obviously, you know, we're not playing, you know, two meaningful games a week to where if you drop points, it's a big deal. So, uh, you kind of don't get upset with the wins and losses anymore. Um, you know, that the competition, even to get people back healthy for a game, you know, I missed that um, with MLS. We used to call it a marathon of sprints. Um, you're basically sprinting from game to game, just trying to get everybody healthy. Um, so it's a little bit different. You don't have as much time with people. You have athletic periods that are about 50 minutes long each day, but we do have treatment before and after school. So um, so yeah, the, the dynamic changes, the landscape changes of, of how many people you, you can see and, and work with, but, you know, I've just kind of gotten used to managing expectations that I can't, you know, I can't fix it in, in one day or even two days. You've, you've got time and, 
an expectation here, but you know, I still don't take my foot off the gas. I still want them available if they they can be, uh, if that makes sense. Nope, definitely. And appreciate you kind of diving into that a little bit because I know that seems to be a question that comes up a lot or a discussion point within the profession, and rightfully so. Of, you know, how do you go from a job or can you make something sustainable for what your personal goals are? And obviously that's worked for people, you know, who have families and everything in different settings and have made it work, but I've, that doesn't work for everyone. Um, it wouldn't probably work for me <laughs> just given my personal life to, to be gone that much. It, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. So. Sure. I'm kind of jumping back to um, working in the professional um, setting um, of sports. There are only so many team professional teams. There are only so many athletic training positions. And you mentioned how you connected uh, with the head AT because of an opportunity you had. But um, I'd be curious, you know, how much would you weigh like who you know versus potentially what you know um, in your experience, because obviously, yes, he met you and liked you enough, but I'm assuming he wanted to make sure you knew what you were doing as well, but also kind of what you've seen through other people pursuing these careers and ultimately advice for people that are maybe want to work in that professional setting. For, for so- professional soccer, I can obviously attest, um, and I would assume it's, it's similar for um, for the other leagues as well, but it, a gigantic piece of it is, is who, you know, and, and kind of having that network and, you know, soccer is the world's game, but, um, I've come to find in the U S it is such a small, small world with who knows who, um, it just within the U S soccer federation, the major league soccer it, itself. Um, so there's a, there's a big piece of that. So if you know somebody and can, um, can just reach out to them and say, hey, this person's going to apply, I can vouch for them, or if you can share their resume, it, it is really about, uh, about who you know. I also see a lot with, uh, you know, there's, there's been a lot of good promotion strategies within Major League Soccer, a lot of, um, you know, interns being promoted to assistants, and now these assistants are, are head athletic trainers, and there's a, there's a jump to directors of sports medicine at the, at the Major League Soccer level, um, you know, my, my old boss is now like, uh, gosh, I can't even remember the, his exact title, but uh, he's been promoted this year to where he doesn't even travel anymore. He manages everything medical um, and performance in the entire organization, which is nice. just a gigantic position. And um, I mean, he, he will end up being probably the longest tenured athletic trainer in, in MLS. And I joke with him that you know, he'll, he'll be an NATA Hall of Famer someday, but there will there will be an MLS athletic training award named after him someday. He's just kind of he's he's the guy, kind of guy that that advocates by hard work and just professionalism and does that. Um, but so many people know him and know how to, to get in, in touch with him. It's just it, it's a big network of, of kind of. Yeah, kind of having someone to help get your foot in the door. And, um, you know, at one point I didn't have my foot in the door at all. And my last semester of undergrad, I knew I wanted to do major league soccer. I just wanted to have a conversation with somebody. So at that time, uh, the internet was not, you know, that's spring 2008. There wasn't a lot of um, social media resources as much as there are now. LinkedIn really wasn't a thing. Um, So I literally went to every team, their like admin page and um, would try to reach out to any available email address. If the AT 
email wasn't there. And then I sent um, actual letters, you know, people used to yeah. do that. Yeah. Uh, so I used to send, I sent letters to every stadium, you know, attention had athletic trainer. Um, I heard back from the craziest thing is I heard back from one and that was there and end. So I ended up working for, and that was through an email um, that, uh, you know, I just kind of asked, um, you know, if I, if they had internship opportunities, if I could just kind of chat with them. And he was one of the only ones that responded. And um, he's always made it a point to respond to anybody that reaches out, whether that's a no, we can't help you. We don't have anything. And, and I kind of took over some of our intern duties um, as an assistant. And he said, you know, please make sure you always reach out to them. So that way there's no loose ends and they just kind of know where, where things end up. Uh, another person that had responded was um, an athletic trainer uh, through the Chicago fire, but that was more so through um, doing an internship with Athletico. So, um, so that kind of helped me get my foot in the door, just kind of really cold calling. You know, I don't know if people still practice that as much, but uh, that's another way to get in your, your foot in the door, because if you've sent an email and then you meet someone later in, in person, just by chance, you can say, Hey, you know, I reached out to you before, maybe you remember my name. And, you know, sometimes they'll fake it and say, oh yeah, I remember you, even if they don't. And that kind of starts that conversation. So uh, it's a lot about who you know, um, but yes, you do have to have the, the background. And, um, you know, thankfully I had enough people that could vouch, you know, for what I had done with, with U.S. soccer to, to make that jump um, up to MLS. So, so yeah, really all about who you know. Kind of going to the skill set thing, and this is going to be a very broad, but trying to make it specific question. Specific to MLS and working professional soccer, you had referenced before, um, you know, different continuing education things and potentially certifications. And, you know, they can be a dime a dozen, I'm not trying to advocate for any specific thing here. But just curious, is there anything you found that was kind of specific to soccer and especially high level soccer that, you know, a skill set you acquired or something along those lines that you would maybe recommend for somebody that really had an interest in working at, you know, soccer at varying levels? For sure. Yeah. I've answered this question with people that, um, that have asked this before. Uh, you see so much soft tissue stuff in soccer. Um, one of the first things my boss encouraged me to, to get certified in was, was Graston. And we would, you know, we would do that a ton. He got um, certified in dry needling. I was not at that time working with, with MLS. I am now. Um, a lot of dry needling, uh, blood flow restriction has become uh, very big. You know, we would do a handful of, you know, kinesio tape stuff, but um, sure. had I stayed longer, would have, would have liked to have gotten um, ART, uh, just a lot of soft tissue to work, work on, on the players. Um, obviously you're going to have the, the, you know, the joint injuries, catastrophic stuff like that, but the day-to-day -day grind of what most of your work is going to be is traditionally, you know, a hamstring strain is, is always going to be the number one sure. reported injury in soccer. So um, a lot of massage, you know, the needling, Graston, um, all that kind of stuff. If, if I had known that ahead of time, I would have tried to chip away at that kind of stuff um, because I know that was uh, a work in progress. Uh, my boss wanted me to, to get more certs, um, but, you know, you can't do them all in, in one weekend. So it was kind of a uh, chip away at it type of thing. And um, uh, so, yeah, so I've done a, a lot of those after the fact, after leaving, because I had exposure mm -hmm. to that kind of stuff. And now, um, you know, just I just keep trying to chip away at, at those kind of uh, certifications still. So that leads me nicely into the next question of what about now in the secondary school um, with just the different, you know, 
certifications or things has it shifted at all just because your time is so condensed with as you referenced the amount of athletes versus you know having a you know a couple dozen or whatever it is where you can and that's basically their job all day you know versus obviously high schoolers just the insanity that is the schedule sure yeah so um i don't really do massage anymore that that's a little bit too time intensive plus um you know there, there's differences with the population now with with different kind of sensitivity stuff so uh, obviously when you're working with you know uh, adult males as a male it's a lot easier to do that kind of stuff in in a professional soccer you know athletic training room so um you know i'm i'm still finding time to you know to do graston you know yesterday in the last week I've, I've dry needled um a track athlete's uh, quad i mean his his quad is so tight it is bent needles twice trying to to get through that so we're, we're really working at that yeah so um so it's it sounds crazy there's so many kids so much going on but you know we have four athletic trainers on our staff which is wow. um, which is which is amazing um and we um you know we we just kind of do what we can in those moments there's certain days where i'll tell um, an athlete can't do BFR today, um, but there's times yesterday, uh, another injury, I used one of the modes on, uh, on BFR for like a recovery setting where he just sits there passive 25 minute cycle on that. So still able to use those kind of things and then, you know, set it and walk away. You just kind of got to be strategic on, um, mm -hmm. you know, reading the room, what period's a little bit crazier than others. Um, but uh, yeah, thankfully, I'm still able to use all those things. Um, it just, you kind of maybe have to pick a certain day to do them where, you know, um, you can, you can step away and, and do that. Um, but, but yeah, that, those would be the biggest differences, but it's, you know, it's surprising. We're still able to, to do all those and, and just dry needling in a high school alone seems crazy, but I mean, our, our district has supported it and all of our schools offer that. And it, uh, I mean, you know, amazing for the community to have all these services, um, so I really try to use it as much as I can to justify the, the training and, um, and all that, uh, just to kind of, you know, support the investment that everybody's made. So, so this kind of next question I had, um, didn't realize yet, you know, at four athletic trainers, it sounds like you guys are plenty busy because you service a large group of people. So it, the numbers may shake down a little bit more, but, you know, not every secondary school has all these resources, uh, I don't know. And I'll, that's part of the question is, you know, how did you guys bring those in? I know even a lot of small universities don't necessarily have all of these resources. Um, speaking for myself, we had to always get very creative on how we could bring in like a BFR or some of these other tools just because our budget was small um, would be being generous about it. Um, how did you guys bring that in? If you, have suggestions or ideas that for other secondary school ATs that might be looking to do that, you know, depending on budgets, um, I, everything seemingly is a little different in Texas, depending on where you are. Um, yeah. But yeah. Just any insight there. I mean, it starts with being blessed tremendously financially. I mean, it is, you know, something we never take for granted with, with different purchases and I'll kind of touch on some that we've done this year, but I think a lot of the things happen um, because I've been fortunate enough to have exposure to them, learn about them and have seen them in my career. And that's, you know, that's why I feel so fortunate to have been where I've been and, and done what I've done. And, um, you know, I don't, wouldn't have necessarily known about dry needling or BFR unless I had worked in those settings. Um, and, you know, not all of them come at, at one moment, but it's, 
it's just starting that conversation and, and asking. And for me, it's having a supervisor that, that buys in um, and he supports us. You know, he, he gives he he gives us good responsibilities. He gives us, um, you know, a lot of freedom with uh, suggestions and ideas. And, and his biggest question is, how does this make us better? So you kind of ha have to have a shark pitch or a shark tank pitch for him to kind of tell him sure. how this is going to make us better um, as opposed to just saying, hey, hey, I want this. And um, so uh, for me, when I finally took the, the Owens Recovery Science BFR course, um, you know, I saw that their, their Delphi units were about 6,000 bucks. And, you know, I didn't know where we were at at the end of the year with our budget. Um, but, uh, you know, we have an awesome booster club who just supports um, not only the sports, but the athletic training program just in a, in a gigantic way, which, um, you know, we're probably really spoiled to have that. Um, so they've bought us two Delphi BFR oh, units nice. that, that we use this year. They bought um, the game ready Ned four elite unit, which I had been eyeing for years. And, and that's become really my, my favorite piece of equipment. We use that at least a dozen times a day, just having those different settings for, for recovery and, and treatments. Um, and then we just got funding uh, for new cardio equipment. So this afternoon, nice. I'll be calling Peloton. We're getting a, a treadmill and a bike. And, and part of that is to kind of have a measurable, um, interactive, but fun way for, for student athletes to, uh, to do cardio. So instead of getting on the spin bike for 15 minutes, looking at their phone, they're going to do a 15 minute hit workout led by, you know, an, an elite instructor. And so they're going to be sweating and working hard up and out of the, the saddle. So they're not going to have time to, you know, scroll through Twitter on there and, um, we're also going to use those for our concussion return to play protocols with uh, the heart rate monitoring and, and kind of, you know, design ahead of time. We'll have a profile for the athletes, have it preloaded, what we want them to do. And I mean, just, yeah, so not everybody's lucky enough to have that kind of support, but I think being fortunate to have seen a lot of that stuff, I've just, you know, you, a lot of it's timing and how you ask for it. Um, it's explaining the necessity for it. And, and my boss is, is the pitch man at those meetings, but I kind of have to tell him and he'll ask different questions of, you know, can we get 10 years use out of this cardio equipment? I said, absolutely. You know, and how many students do you think are going to be using this? So you just ballpark and really tell them how mm -hmm. gigantic of an impact it, it's going to be on the student athletes. So um, those that might not have those resources, um, I know there are some other schools in the areas that will ask for different grants, um, different, different ways to um, just to get money. And, you know, a lot of it is patience and you know, we've been patient about different things. And, you know, I think I've been asking for that game ready unit for probably the last three years. And that was such a huge item to me, very expensive. And so I never got my feelings hurt when it didn't work out But this fall. Um, it was brought to booster club meeting and they said, absolutely. Booster club president came through a few weeks ago and I got to show him how it works. And he was so impressed. And, and he, he said, you know, you probably need a second one of these. I said, well, you're not wrong. Um, and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see where that conversation goes. But right. uh, yeah, a lot of it's timing. A lot of it's just really great support by our, our school district, our athletic administration. And I mean, yeah, I, I think I'm just lucky to have seen a lot of that stuff in different places. And, um, you know, we just start that conversation and, and, and see what it takes to, to get it. And, and we've been pretty lucky so far. I'm not gonna lie, even from my previous job, a little jealous. Not not gonna lie to you. Um, I, I don't take any of it for granted. I really don't. Fair. I walk in there and I look at the stuff and I'm just like, and, and even my old my old boss uh, with the dynamo, I tell him these things and he's like, he, he just laughs at you know the Texas high school 
uh, money and the support that, that's there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, so, so blessed and so fortunate. That's awesome. Um, you know, just kind of tying this all back around and just kind of this transition, um, the secondary school role um, isn't always the most advantageous to your time either. Um, just with a lot of events and you had mentioned the hundreds and even thousands of athletes, how have you found to integrate your work and your life together with that to, you know, you reference being, you know, having more time and having a little bit more freedom than you did even when uh, you were with uh, the Dynamo. How have you gone about trying to establish that for yourself? Uh, it's, it's really having an understanding supervisor who schedules um, really fairly for us. And, and I've worked with some that, that, that don't do that, um, but he really gets it. He's, he's been doing this a long time. I mean, uh, locally, you know, the, the sports significance of Faisalama Jama University of Houston, he was their athletic trainer um, back in that time. So, I mean, he has been, he's been around, he's seen, he's seen it from, from so many different ways, the, the highs and lows of the profession. And, and he knows, um, you know, my situation um, with, uh, with being married and having a little one. And then I have another coworker who just had their second little guy. Um, and he's just, he's very understanding of, of life outside of athletic training. And, and he wants that to be a balance as well. So we're kind of experimenting right now um, with shifting to kind of like a four tens model four shifts of, of 10 hours. Sure. Um, you know, I'm off today, which is, you know, still hard to believe we're in our hardest, most difficult spring season right now with just about everything other than, you know, basketball, just having finished up. And, you know, the fact that he gives us a day to, to step away and, and have life, take care of things, regroup a little bit. Um, you know, I, I don't think that that happens everywhere. Um, and so, Another big advantage for me, my wife works on the same campus that I do. She's a teacher nice. um, uh, on, in, in the school there. My mother-in-law lives across the street. She watches our two-year-old. So at the end of the day, when um, my wife's headed home, she'll, she'll bring my son by and we'll hang out in the training room. We'll, we'll go sit on the golf cart, watch a game or practice. And um, I think that's probably a big piece that is, is keeping me rooted here um, by just having that. Those are things. Uh, when I worked in professional soccer, I saw a lot of my peers um, didn't have, you know, either weren't married or didn't have kids. You know, they never bought a home because the team could shift to, sh you know, they may lose their job. There's no guarantee of any kind of, you know, no permanence. And I really, you know, that was kind of scary to me to see that, um, you know, how, how quickly life could change. And I thought, you know, I need to, to make that change. And, you know, thankfully we've had that, that freedom with our, with our schedule and, um, yeah, so I mean, I know I'm in a unique situation with my wife nearby and, uh, and having a super understanding uh, boss by, by how he schedules things out for us. But, um, but yeah, having the, the four athletic trainers really helps. I mean, there are times when all four campuses that we cover have events. Um, and I can honestly say there have been very few times where I've really felt like, you know, stressed out and working a lot of events and, um, I, you know, uh, I feel, feel pretty good most of the year. Uh, I don't ever feel, feel like it's too much, um, have a good understanding of what the necessity is at that time to, to cover things. So you just kind of step up and do it, but I never feel overworked and, um, just, yeah, really lucky to have, um, kind of have those coworkers and, and boss to, to manage everything with. Plus I really like my coworkers. I mean, going to work is, is enjoyable. There's, you know, there's, 
there's there's yeah a lot a lot of fun that happens there and you know we respect each other professionally and personally and um you know it's going to be nice to to have everybody back next year there's there's always turnover and um i'm excited to work with this crew again next year and um yeah so you just feel fortunate about those moments and in uh in the personal and professional life that's awesome and kudos to your boss for taking that approach i think it would do the profession a lot more wonders to just have that understanding from the top down and being able to make it work. I think that would be a big thing going forward. Anything we haven't covered that you wanted to cover about your time in MLS and now kind of moving into your, you know, the secondary school. I don't think so. Awesome. Well, if you're up for it, we'll jump into the AT chat questions. Okay. First one, uh, where do you see athletic training going in the next five to 10 years? And if you can kind of set the example that you're talking about, or if it's a global vision. Yeah. Uh, you know, I hear this question a lot and, you know, my, my answers change every time I listen to it, but you know, some of them kind of stay the same. I really, uh, I see probably more exposure in clinical and doctor based settings. Um, I, I do think the the transition to the masters will be, um, advantageous for our growth and strength as a profession. Um, I think the recent um, Alcorn State situation will be a case study uh, for several years to come. I think it brought national attention to what can't be viewed as a luxury anymore. Um, so, so that may be uh, maybe something that helps in the future. Um, our our school district, like I mentioned, we provide athletic training for all junior high events. Um, so that's the standard of care that we have set. And I think that may follow suit in many other areas and levels, a uh, big advantage to, to junior high coverage. And I'll be honest, when we started covering that, uh, that was after I had taken this job in the school district. So that was new and that was really hard to process because I really had no interest in, in the junior high world and, and still you know, kind of really don't, but it kind of helps provide some framework for when they become high school athletes. Sure. So now they know who we are, what to expect, how to um, manage injuries and referrals. I mean, it really helps the community financially by not having to go to an urgent care ER every single time. And we can kind of help manage that, but really it's kind of creating good habits for, for when they become, uh, you know, up with us at the high school full time. Yeah. Um, I also think there'll be an establishment of more director of sports medicine positions. I really think that um, is a piece that needs to keep um, keep going. I think we're at the point where expectations are really high in, in the administrative roles and that the head athletic trainer position shouldn't have to carry all of that weight in addition to the other um, other duties that, that we do. Um, so I see also more acceptance and practice of the medical model for athletic training. Um, I think that's a, a more professional approach to, to what we do and, and really hope, uh, hope to see that. Uh, so I think, yeah, five to 10 years, I think that's probably reasonable and, and, and hopefully so in, in some of those cases. Absolutely. What advice would you give yourself if you could go back to when you were a younger athletic trainer, if you could set the time frame? I really wish I could go back because there's a lot that, that I, that I would change. Um, Preach. The biggest, <laughs> yes. The biggest advice. Um, and it only took me, you know, until, till recent, um, is that you can't control everything. A lot of, some of that comes with, with being a dad, you just kind of understand life a little bit differently. Um, you appreciate things differently. 
but you can't predict and you can't prevent everything. And, and I always thought that I was supposed to be able to do that. I know that's completely unrealistic, but I think we get that, that impression in our own minds. Um, uh, you know, things are going to happen. It's all about how you react. Um, coaches overreact. There, there's high pressure situations. Um, it's all about presenting that information and explaining situations calmly, but effectively. And I think, um, I know for sure I didn't do that well early in my career. Um, I think specifically to, to one uh, former athlete, a soccer player, um, we were playing a couple Midwest friendlies. We were playing some, uh, some academy teams. We just played in St. Louis the night before, and we flew to Columbus um, to play the crew academy the next day. And I'm in the meal line with this young man, and, and he says to me, you know, I've got a headache. You know, I hit my head last night in the game, and, and I'm finding myself getting – ticked at him that he didn't, he didn't tell me earlier. And I'm like, well, maybe the symptoms just came on, you know, several years, you know, processing that I'm like, why did I get irritated with myself and with this, this young man for not telling me? And I'm like, these, the symptoms could have just come on. And here I am thinking I was supposed to know that he was going to have this head injury and, you know, and predict this kind of stuff. And, you know, I feel really, feel really bad uh, probably for how I reacted on that one. Uh, but it just, that one sticks out in my mind where I'm like, I cannot believe, you know, I, I overreacted on that one. So, so now when stuff comes up, if, if we do a, a concussion assessment and we don't see anything and the next day someone comes back with symptoms, it's just, you take it as life presents itself to you. You know, maybe they didn't have symptoms today, tomorrow they can come and you just manage what comes at you. And I think that just comes with maturity in the career, but, but man, I would have had a lot less tough conversations with athletes and coaches and, you know, getting ticked at, at myself and just uh, would have been a lot happier. Um, so I wish I could go back and change that. Yeah, I feel very seen in that answer. Uh, I understand yeah. that. One. And I would redo a lot of things differently just from learning life. Um, what has been the most influential resource you have found in your career? I'm going to guess I could figure this one out, but I want to hear it from you. Well, it's kind of twofold. So people for sure, uh, yep. mentors and others in the field, I've uh, talked a lot about Theranens today. I mean, he's a gigantic uh, mentor and friend that I can go for, for anything athletic training related. I mean, he's going to ha probably have the answer or know somebody who does. Sure. Uh, I've had some tough times in my career um, after working with him that I've had to go to him and, and just either vent or bounce ideas off of and, or, or even just asking him, Hey, what's the new thing? What's the new thing you've got, you guys have in your training room? Um, what, uh, what can I get? Um, I'm, I'm working on um, kind of developing a mentor role with someone here locally um, and, and trying to kind of pick their brain um, with just kind of different things in their field. Um, just kind of help me, you know, think of what's next for us and our, and our profession. So trying to just kind of seek out those relationships mm -hmm. and, and do that. Um, but another one, this might be a tacky answer, but, but money, money is, is an, gigantic resource. I mean, money will buy you education, training tools, gadgets. Um, been very fortunate in, in the settings to, to have that financial availability to function at the highest level still. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I know tacky answer, but money opens up, you know, so much to, to better yourself and, and, and really be better for, for others. That was the first time I've heard that one, but it makes sense and I like it. So thanks for sharing that. Um, as an AT in your role, how do you take care of yourself? So I really um, enjoy the, the time at home with my wife and, and my son. Um, I'm fortunate to have that, that very fair work-life balance that we've talked about. Um, 
so I can soak in every moment with them, uh, you know, starting to, to see some different things, how, how quickly, you know, my son's going to be three April 6th. Um, and, and my wife just made this little real thing on, on Instagram the other day, just about like how quick life moves. I think she'd seen the idea from, from somebody. So it literally started from his birth to, you know, mm-hmm. a video from last week. So, I mean, it, it chokes you up and, and gives you perspective that man, things are really, you know, moving fast. Um, so I really take, you know, I really, I soak in the, the Saturdays so that I don't have to go in that I can wake up. And our tradition is I, I let my wife sleep in because she gets up early every day, take my son, pick up Chick-fil-A breakfast for us, bring it back. Um, so those are little moments, but I would have never been able to do that with, with Dynamo or U.S. soccer. So, I mean, you just, you soak those things in. Um, trying to, to exercise more than I used to. I bought my wife a Peloton a couple of years ago for, uh, for an anniversary gift. And, and I really like how convenient but challenging and, you know, it's a competitive outlet, um, as well physically. So I've, I've enjoyed doing that at home and that kind of opened up my interest in, in bringing that into the, the training room setting. Um, so, uh, so trying to do better with that, take care of myself, um, watching sports that I'm not responsible for is also really good for my soul. Like, I mean, I can watch sports all day at school, but I'll come home. Um, you know, I'm a big uh, Texas tech athletics fan. I uh, grew up in Illinois. So university of Illinois athletics, I'm, you know, pulling for, for them, both those teams in March madness, um, coming up. So just going to games that I'm not covering. I really enjoy sure. this weekend. Uh, one of my best friends, Brian Simpson, he's the athletic trainer for Texas tech baseball. They're in town to play a three game series with rice. So, um, I'm excited to hopefully make all three of those games and just nice. kind of sit there as a fan and just soak it in. So, I mean, I'm just a sports junkie, but it's a little bit different when you're not having to respond to, right. to anything there. Um, and then lastly, uh, I bought an Xbox in the fall, which has been awesome to just kind of have another way to, uh, just kind of unwind, but, uh, you know, there's different games on there that I can still be competitive, uh, or just, you know, there's only so much I can control in life. And so right. with Xbox, I can control, uh, that. And I find that as a, a fun outlet. I've been trying to get a PlayStation five for years. I, don't, I still don't think they're available. So I just said, forget it. I'm going to get an Xbox <laughs> and, and it's been game over, but, uh, but that's what I, I like to do to, to awesome. take care of myself and just kind of unwind. If you could change or eliminate one thing, could be a modality, a common practice, a mindset, or something of your choosing in the field of athletic training, what would it be? Uh, I really don't like taping ankles just to, for the sake of taping ankles. Um, you know, my biggest pet peeve is Thursday night freshman football where kids stroll into the training room that I've never seen before. And they're like, I need my ankles taped. And I'm like, then you have to have that cautious conversation of talking them out of it and not just doing it to do it. So I'm not an anti ankle taper. If it's absolutely necessary to keep someone on the field or the court, of course, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Um, you know, the same goes for, for wrist tape jobs that they just want to, you know, Sharpie on and write their names and, and stuff like that. So I, I don't like doing stuff just for the sake of it. Sometimes you just have to appease people depends on who they are, how established in the program, you know, seniors are going to get that seniority if, if they need to. Um, I, I just don't enjoy the, the TV tape jobs just for, for looks on, on game days, if, if that makes sense, but just a pet peeve of mine, but I, I feel certain that will never change. You just have an athlete that would come in and want him taped on game days because he runs harder on game days than he does that. during practice. And yep. I just, I, I looked at him and I was, 
he wasn't even the starting running back. So I was just like, I don't, if you want to bring the tape, I'll tape you, but I'm not, I'm not doing it out of our stock. Yes. Got to get a good feel for who some of our athletes are make sure their parents, not on the school board, anything like that. But uh, (laughs) once you get to know these kids, you, you give them some freebies, but yes, that I, I work harder on game days is, is bogus. And I've, I've heard that too many times. Yeah. Uh, last question before we kind of wrap up, what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Being an athletic trainer um, means that I can do a service for others that I was not fortunate enough to have myself. Um, I was a three sport athlete in high school. We didn't have an athletic trainer. Mm-hmm. We had, um, one of my good friends on a basketball and soccer team, his dad was a physical therapist, but he was also kind of a volunteer assistant coach and he would help with, with different injury things. And, and so that's why I originally went pre PT because I thought that's what athletic training was. I didn't, sure. I didn't have anybody to, to explain that in high school. Um, but you know, when, when I was in high school, nobody there to help me. So I was taping myself, putting ACE bandages on, you know, I see hot, whatever I could just to, to get through a game uh, just to stay on the field or or on the court. And so it's really, truly a full circle thing for me uh, and a profession of service to give others what I did not have. And, um, you know, we, we spoil the kids these days, which, you know, we, we try not to over, over spoil them, but a lot of them don't know anything different. They've always had an athletic trainer, even the ones that have had it starting in junior high, which, um, you know, I, I I keep perspective of it because I know, not everybody has that luxury, but uh, yeah, ultimate full service, uh, full circle service type of opportunity to give back. And uh, my high school um, does have an, an athletic trainer now and they have a training room. I was able to, to tour it. I was home in November for a funeral and uh, I was just really impressed to see where they've come. And that's awesome. Um, so, so, so happy about that. And because Illinois athletic training is, is not the same as, as Texas, um, there's a huge expectation and, and the the resources and support here. So I'm glad to see that it's, uh, it's, uh, it's making that change where I went. So, so yeah, just really giving back every day. Awesome. Well, kind of to wrap up, um, if people wanted to reach out to you or connect with you with any questions or just to follow what you're doing, what would be best for them to do that? And I'll link up everything you've got, um, in the show notes. So. Sure. Yeah. Um, on Twitter, it's Rory underscore Blevins. Um, I, I don't do a ton of athletic training stuff on there right now. It's a lot of uh, anti-Texas Longhorn propaganda and retweets. With <laughs> um, the football season, it's going to be a lot of anti-Packers. Uh, so I hope, hopefully you're not a Packers fan. Um, but uh, uh, It's okay. It's yeah, all right. We so, went up here. Yeah. But, uh, but mostly anti-Longhorn stuff. I like to stir it up. I got some some friends that are pretty much trolls that just, they get so butthurt whenever I, I retweet stuff or any horns down stuff that just kind of, uh, that's, sure. that, that's a lot of what you see on there. Um, Instagram, uh, Blevins.Rory15. That's a lot of family stuff, you know, show off my family, but some athletic training stuff and, you know, on Facebook as well. But, uh, but yeah, probably need a, a more uh, athletic training presence on social media stuff, but uh, you know, that's always, that can always be the next project, but, uh, but yeah, I'm Sounds out there. Cool. If anybody wants to reach out and, uh, happy to, to share my story and fortunate, uh, for everything that that's, that's happened for me along the way. Definitely. Well, thank you for making this work. I'm glad we finally got to connect and get this recorded. Um, and Absolutely. look forward to seeing a touch in the, in the future. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for your time. Of course. Thank you for yours.
Please be sure to check out our Throw a Lifeline program in partnership with Mueller where we're getting AT emergency supplies to ATs that just don't have the resources to get them. Check that out at the leathertrainingchat.com backslash throw a lifeline.